Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Thursday morning, the 25th of January. Good morning. With much debate and discussion from now till 11am, this is Michael Reid on LMFM. People before profit are calling on the the Taoiseach to postpone the annual St. Patrick's Day trip to Washington. The annual opportunity of meeting with the American president, exchanging the bowl of shamrock and bringing out the Irish in all Americans as the United States turns green and no other country in the world is put into focus in the way that Ireland is to celebrate our patron saint and our national day because people before profits say postponing would be a strong way of this state stating we are appalled at America's support for the Israeli offensive in Gaza. I'm speaking to all of you today not only as an American president but as a descendant of the Bluets from Mayo County and the Finnegans from County Louth. I'm speaking to you from a White House designed by an Irish hand in a nation where Irish blood was spilled in the revolution of independence and for unity and freedom through the years. The story of the Irish, of the Irish Americans, is a story of people who have weathered hard times, but always come through, spirit intact. Happy St. Patrick's Day. President Joe Biden. Let's speak uh, to Minister Thomas Byrne for the Fall TD. For me, these two's on the line. Good morning to you, Minister, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the programme uh, this morning. Joe Biden's uh, affiliation with Irish and his statements to that effect publicly are becoming a source of embarrassment for a lot of people in this country. Uh, would you be one of them? No, I'm not embarrassed, and I think pretty much most people aren't embarrassed, and you know, people before profit may make these calls, but I mean, they get, you know, one, two, three percent in opinion polls. They're not the mainstream uh, opinion in the country. Uh, the reality is that the opportunity for Ireland, not just in America, but across the world, uh, to demonstrate uh, our prowess, our punching above our weight, uh, what our economy is like, what our people is like, what our culture is like, uh, it's a unique opportunity that, quite frankly, other countries are watching and in some cases trying to copy. Um, and I think we punch above our weight because we get into the room, we talk, we make our point of view very, very clear uh, and we try to get results through that. We don't have a big army um, like some of the major world powers. We don't have um, big size. We don't have huge amounts of natural resources. Uh, so we have to punch above our weight and we do that by being constructive, 
by working together uh, with other countries and by sticking to the principles uh, that we that we have always adhered to. And that's that's why uh, we can have the influence that we have. And it's why over recent decades, our whole economic strategy, which, by the way, people before profit fundamentally opposes, has been to attract inward investment from across the world, but particularly it has to be said for the United States. And that's why that's so important to us. And it's been really uh, important. We've come from being one of the poorest countries in Europe to being uh, one of the mo- one of the wealthiest countries in Europe. And that's, that's, that's the reality. And it's because of putting ourselves out there on the world stage at every possible forum that we can get to. Whether that's China or America. Whoever we talk to, I'm sorry, we, we, we sit with China when we're at the UN Security Council we, when we were on that for two years and I sat on it myself, China, Russia, America, Britain, they're all on the UN Security Council. Um, that's where that's where things happen. Uh, European Union as well. And we talk to countries. And if we have issues with them, we absolutely make them clear. Uh, and we don't agree with countries. Uh, we don't agree with everybody on everything. Uh, but we make our point view by being in the room with them. And I think that's really, really important. Russia and Israel. <laughs> We, we we well I mean we don't we don't engage a huge amount directly um, with Israel we do engage with them and they have an embassy here and we make we make our points very very clear to them uh, we have an embassy of Russia of Russia and Ireland have diplomatic relations as well even now uh, because we feel that it is important not just of, of course to to look after our own citizens who are in those countries but to make sure that we can keep making those points across and the reality is that diplomacy matters that it being in the room, having those conversations helps oppress people that we're trying to help, but it also uh, makes sure that we can continue uh, that outside outside influence that we've quite frankly had uh, mm. in recent decades. And that's extremely valuable for the country. What would you say to our listeners who would say that the writing is literally on the wall for the relationship uh, this country has with Joe Biden in Carlingford. People are very annoyed with American foreign policy in relation to Gaza and the support that it is giving to Israel. I think what you've seen in America in in recent weeks is a, I think, a a big change in that. I think there's a big change coming. I think there's a lot of people in America in both political parties uh, running out of of patience with not Israel in particular, the people, but the Netanyahu government. Uh, I think that's a fact. But we have to, and there is... 25,000 people have been murdered at this stage. Absolutely. And we've... Ireland at every possible forum from day one that this has happened have been really, really clear in those fundamental principles which we have, which is respect for the rule of law, respect for international law, respect for humanitarian principles Mm. and looking after people and preventing war and conflict and ensuring, which is something that the Israeli government now said they're against a two-state solution. It was actually a Fianna Fáil foreign minister who actually first put that on the table. It's long been our policy. It's world policy. It's what everybody wants except this current Israeli government. We need to have two states there and we will continue to use every single forum. And yes, you mentioned America. And can I just make this point? America, the American political system by and large is united on um, Israeli policy. And I think there's a change coming in terms of the way they the way they deal with the current Israeli government. I think we can see that. But there's only one other foreign policy that America and the American political system is united on. There's only one other. And what's that? It's the Northern Ireland peace process. And I think we have to acknowledge that over recent decades, there has been incredible support 
from the United States of America, not particular presidents, but every president, not particular parties, but both parties have been really supportive of what's going on here. And it is very much in our best mm. interest. And what we want to do is to, to appreciate that and to continue that connection. But, I think that's what people want. But Israel, also, Israel. but also, OK, go on. Sorry, sorry. Not standing back. Um, no, yeah, but the point is, but not standing back and giving our strong view to the United States as to what way we think things should be. Uh, in Israel and Palestine. Right, to make that, that, very, that very we, clear to we, we should say to Joe Biden that when Leo Radker goes uh, to Washington in March, he should say to Joe Biden, what's wrong with you? That you would support a regime that would murder 25,000 uh, people. Uh, in fact, what's wrong with you that you would make that horrible, uh, disgusting, inexplicable situation all the worse by escalating the dispute and bombing Houthi rebels in Yemen? Well, the Houthi rebels is a totally different situation. That's a totally different situation. First of all, we don't want conflict to escalate across that region. That's really, really important. But should we be saying that to Joe Biden because that is what undoubtedly will be the result of this campaign that he's engaged in with the British government? Look, I've had had meetings uh, as a a European minister with with various ambassadors, including the American ambassador. Honest and direct points are made, whether it's to ambassadors or to other ministers that you meet, about Ireland's position or about America's position or about other countries' positions. This is a normal feature of meetings that you would speak uh, and state your position, which could be different as, I'm not saying he's going to speak in the way that you describe, but I have no doubt um, that Leo Varadkar, when he meets uh, President Biden, will make Ireland's position very, very clear in relation to this conflict. And I think by, by showing leadership, which the Irish government has done, at various international forums, we're trying to push other countries who don't agree with us uh, to try to come around to our view. And I think there has been a significant change. The European Union now, there, there's still some holdouts in terms of unifying that position that most people uh, want to be in. But I do really seriously detect uh, a huge frustration uh, building up over recent weeks with the Netanyahu uh, government in Israel. Uh, and we we could well see uh, a, a change in, 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 in US policy there because what's happening is completely unacceptable. But I don't think we should, um, you know, like boycott the US because uh, we don't agree with a particular policy they have towards a situation. They're not the ones bombing the Gazans. They're not the ones causing this. The Israeli government is and they should stop. And we want them to stop. Do you think that the Israeli government? Do you you think, though, that the Israeli government uh, could uh, continue with its campaign of terror without the support of the American government? Uh, I, I, I imagine that they would, but I think, to be fair, it would be much more difficult for them. Do you think that they could continue uh, this offensive if America opposed it? I think it would be very, very difficult for them to do that. Um, what we've got to make sure is that at all times that we keep a, a differentiation between the Israeli government, which is carrying out these barbaric acts, uh, and the Israeli state. Uh, Israel is entitled to be there. I wish and pray that there would be a different government there who would work seriously towards uh, a two-state solution to ensure that uh, Israelis and Palestinians can live literally side by side. That's a difficult dream to imagine now because of what Israeli settlers are doing, particularly in the West Bank. Very difficult to imagine it. But it's the only possible 
peaceful solution that we have and we've got to keep working towards it. And that has been, that was Brian Lennon Sr. when he was foreign minister sometime in the early 80s to put Mm. that forward uh, as an international proposal. It has now become mainstream. It's become much more difficult to achieve, quite honestly. But we must must maintain that dream and that ambition. And that's what the Irish government is constantly working towards. This week, uh, the Israelis once again proposed an artificial island uh, in uh, the ocean off uh, the Gaza coast uh, and move all of the Palestinians uh, out there. Uh, I mean, that's their proposed solution. It's it's utter like I mean you'd use the word laughable, but the word laughable is not appropriate in these particular circumstances. I mean it's it's outrageous really that something like that would be proposed, and I can only imagine the reaction uh, of the foreign ministers at the at the at the foreign affairs council where that was suggested. And um, this is this is just I mean it's 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 complete nonsense, but it's also dangerous nonsense as well. Um, and I know that Mr. Burrell, who's the the, the chief foreign policy uh, the chief foreign policy representative of the of of the European Union and the European Commission uh, he was very clear that he felt that the the minister's time would have been better uh, making other points and i think that that really understates it to some extent uh, that should not have been uh, put forward by the israeli government uh, at at a very serious table where to be fair to the tarnished uh, he got to make very serious points on behalf of ireland but also to try to bring some some other countries along with us as well. Um, but also, I think there was a really important like, engagement with other Arab foreign ministers uh, at that meeting and indeed the Palestinian foreign minister mm. uh, at that meeting. So they were all there on Monday. And that, again, that's the whole point. Ireland needs to be in these rooms, mm. uh, whether it's at the European Union last Monday, yeah. even when the Israelis are coming up with, I mean, totally irrelevant and crazy and dangerous notions like this, this thing about the island. And it's hard to believe that he, I suppose we could believe anything, but mm. it's hard to believe that he would have had any support from his own government bringing this forward. It just sounds completely mad. Are we supporting the Israeli offensive as a nation, given the great support that there is for Israel across Europe? No, I think you have a number of, a small number of countries who have, in the European Union, very small, it's down to about three or four now, I think, who've given kind of consistent support to Israel during this thing. And to be fair, I think some of the Central European countries uh, have a, a different perspective on this. They come from a historical perspective. Uh, there is the issue well, the most of, obvious is uh, Germany. Yeah, and there, there's Holocaust. Germany, Austria, Czech Republic, yeah, for example. But, but, I mean, there, they, but they there's, holo- this, there's Holocaust guilt, uh, and that's the history. There's no question about that. There's but two, no two, about two that. wrongs don't make a right, to put it in the most simplistic of uh, terms. No, no, no. Should and, we and, not be and, condemning? And I, think, I think. Should we not be condemning we're trying, we're, the position that those countries are taking? No, I think we should be working to change their positions. Um, because, in, in fairness to those countries, they are they are you know, good countries, good allies, good friends of ours who are generally speaking committed to the rule of law, committed to democracy and work towards peace. And for example, Austria is one of the few neutral countries in the EU like us. So we have things in common with each of those countries in, in different perspectives. And indeed, I, 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 I met the, the Czech ambassador myself uh, the other day and some strong strong points are made there as well. Um, so I, I think what the point is, we should be in the room we were in the room making those points and I think we're gradually starting to see a change. I mean, we were very clear when Hamas attacked Israel on day, and, and I was would have been out on, on the media, I think, the, the next day, very clear, um, Israel had the right to defend itself, but any self-defence has to be proportionate. I mean, the self-defence that's going on at the moment is completely and utterly disproportionate. Um, so we, we've had a consistent position as the government since day one uh, on this and gradually 
other countries uh, in the Western democratic world have come round to us. I mean, people were appalled by the horror uh, of what Hamas did, and Hamas need to be held, still need to be held to account for that, as does Israel need to be held to account uh, for uh, for what they're doing. And indeed, we're one of the countries that have put extra money into the International Court of Justice to do their work um, in, in investigating this and other issues. I mean, we've been, we've been really, really strong on that to make sure the international rule of law is upheld. But it is crucial at all times that Ireland is in the room. That's okay. really important because if we're not in the room, we've no power. We're, we're a small country. We don't have a huge army. We can't start invading people or threatening people. We don't have a veto at the, at the UN Security Council. We have to be in the room making our case as we have done consistently all the time. And our, our, any power or influence that we have for the good depends on us constantly talking to people and not simply at every stage condemning people when people before profit asked us to do that. Okay, well, uh, the International Court of Justice dominated dull business uh, this week with two separate motions. The government tabled its own motion uh, on uh, the government's stance and indeed uh, there was a motion yesterday from uh, the Social Democrats. We'll be discussing uh, those motions and the outcomes with Fine Gael's Fergus O'Dowd later in the programme, but we'll leave it there for the moment, Minister, and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme today. That's Minister of State, Thomas Byrne, who is a Fianna Fáil TD for Mead East. Now, if you'd like to make a comment on the programme today, we'd love to hear from you. Our telephone number is 041-983-2000. That's 041-983-2000. You can also make a comment by sending us a text message and tell us what you'd like to say. Our, our text number or our WhatsApp number is 086-1800-658. That's 086-1800-658. And you can make comment by emailing michael at lmfm.ie. Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM. LMFM. Now to a remarkable speech that was given in the Dáil yesterday. This is a local Sinn Féin TD, Imelda Munster. Minister, the horrors that Israel have been committing in Gaza since October are frankly indescribable and I think I speak for most people when we say that we watch TV screens and we actually can't believe what we're watching, the utter barbarity of it, but also the fact that nobody's doing anything to stop it. Um, the civilian population of Gaza have been subject to the most depraved, indiscriminate bombing campaign in modern times. Excuse me, are not satisfied with bombing babies and children and women and other civilians in their bed, killing over 25,000 people in just over three months. Israel has destroyed the hospitals and the entire healthcare system in Gaza, ensuring that there is no help coming for these people. They've also inflicted untold pain and suffering on the population through their various methods of collective punishment, denying people access to water, to hygiene, to aid, and displacing 85% of the population. They're bombing hospitals, schools, and refugee camps. And these are war crimes, and that's a fact. And it has been pointed out previously that Ireland was very forthright in its support for the Ukrainian case against Russia at the ICJ in 2022, and rightly so. And at the time, the then Foreign Minister, Simon Coveney, said, as a party to the Genocide Convention and a strong defender of the international rules based system, Ireland has a strong interest in ensuring that the Convention is properly interpreted and applied. And again, rightly so. So why do the same rules not apply to Palestine? Why the naked hypocrisy 
cowardice and meekness from so-called world leaders who choose to look the other way while Israel commits the most evil of war crimes daily. Why, when South Africa took a stand against Israel, Israel, did others, including our government, not follow their example? Why did the Tarnished say last night that the government would review matters? Does he think the people of Palestine have time to wait around while he dithers? Does he not see what we see every single day happening before our eyes, the slaughter of the Palestinian people by Israel? We can't stand idly by and watch a country committing war crimes before our eyes. We need to support the South African case and anything less is utter hypocrisy and cowardice. And I just have to say this, I keep thinking all through this conflict, if I was a minister in government or a member of government Thank that you, was watching this and decided not to act, how would I explain that to future generations and even grandchildren? It made me stop in my tracks. Uh, that was Sinn Féin TD Meldemonster. Now to some of your comments uh, and thanks uh, to everybody who has been in touch with this. Fiona in Dundalk texting us uh, this morning saying, Michael, our government uh, go into a room and punch above their weight and Thomas maintains uh, they go into the room uh, Thomas maintains we go in and punch above their weight but uh, I think Fiona thinks that we go into a room and actually bob and bow uh, John who says Rich listening to a Sinn Féin TD talking about murders, killing and bombing thank you uh, John uh, we'd um, also got uh, a text uh, in on WhatsApp uh, from somebody who says proportionate response. Does that mean if Israel killed 1,400 Palestinians for the October 7th mass attack that that would be OK? That's uh, from David in Navin. Thanks indeed uh, for that, David. I'm sure most people would think that two wrongs don't make a right. Uh, but, of course, uh, Hamas uh, did an awful thing, uh, to put it simply. Uh, It certainly was a war crime uh, and what happened on the 7th of October was an atrocity Uh, and Hamas should be found uh, or held accountable for that. Uh, But did it require collective responsibility, collective punishment, the killing and slaughter of 25,000 men, women and children. Damien in touch with us uh, saying uh, that uh, Thomas Byrne was really missing the point that there is genocide going on in Gaza now and all he wants to talk about is forums. He's making excuses for our lack of strong moral courage. Instead, he'll have our Taoiseach in the USA saying, now have them stop that, Joe, have them stop that. And an hour later, he'll have our Taoiseach sit down with the President for a nice dinner while babies get blown to bits and the subject won't be mentioned again. Thank you indeed, Damien. Thanks to everybody who's been in touch so far. A number of other comments which we'll come to in a few minutes' time. But if you want to add to what's been said, 0419832000. If you want to ring, text or WhatsApp 086 658 Email michael at lmfm.ie. Michael Reed on LMFM. How would you go about losing 2.2 million euro? Uh, I suppose as a a starting point, uh, you could uh, give it to RTE and see what her brained idea they might come up with. Now, you've been hearing this morning that this report on uh, the toy show, the musical, is going to be published today. uh, And there's no doubt uh, about it uh, from 
what we've learned already, this was a harebrained idea in the extreme because it, it was never going to break even. The sums don't add up. The number of shows that they had planned to stage would never have been enough to break even. And I suppose that that's part of the reason that they lost 2.2 million euro. The other reason is they booked a, a place that was far too big, the convention centre. They could never fill it and nobody was interested Uh, it seems for that matter and they had to be giving away tickets to anyone who would take them from them. Let's speak to a a member of uh, the media committee Fianna Fáil Senator Shane Castles joins us now and a very good morning to you Shane Castles and thanks for joining us Uh, this is undoubtedly scandalous because it it is uh, the national broadcaster which uh, is part funded at least uh, by public monies Um, so what's going to happen as a result of this do you think? Yeah, it's beyond, it's beyond scandalous, Michael, and that's the seriousness of it. And I think it's only adding further fuel to the fire as people hear these further reports into the complete lack of governance that actually uh, presided here in the authorisation or non-authorisation of such a major production and the fact that it was uh, likely to fail as a commercial um, activity. Um, what's going to happen? I tell you, the way things are going, Michael, I think me and you should put together a musical on RT, the debacle. I think we'd probably make a good few bob uh, this summer if we put that on. I could pay Tuberty and you could play one of the RT executives and I think we'd make a few pounds. Uh, I think people would actually pay to see that. But what's going to happen, obviously, the Public Accounts Committee are in session this morning. Uh, They've already stated, because they uh, have purview over uh, the financial aspect, and they've already um, sought um, a, a, an interest in, in pursuing this case. I know that from the media committee's point of view, um, we are meeting on our work programme next Wednesday as well. I'm sure that's going to form part of our discussions with Ocker Hirlock uh, ahead of that meeting as well. Um, and, it, you know, again, because we have discussed this, obviously Kevin Backhurst, who's the new Director General, is trying uh, and is, as, as demonstrated by the fact that, you know, there's not big lucrative um, fees being handed out to, to presenters now as they're renewing their contracts. The culture change is happening. What, but unfortunately is he's doing this now against the backdrop of the continuing um, emanating of stories about how badly governed RTE was mm. on so many layers from a management point of view, but then also the fact that the board seems completely actually inept in this whole discussion as well, and so that the checks and balances were not in place. I think that's probably what's frustrating people even more. Yeah, but because the board uh, didn't sign off on it. Uh, there was some sort of ad hoc meeting, but uh, uh, they didn't sign off on it. Uh, so how did it happen if it didn't have uh, the approval of uh, the board? Yeah, and that's, I think that's, that's what's really, you know, get, getting, on, getting on, under my skin this morning. You know, you have an ad hoc meeting maybe to discuss the Christmas party. You don't have an ad hoc meeting to discuss um, a, a multi-million euro uh, production that, as you pointed out in the, in the, in the preamble, was hiring the largest uh, venue in the country, not just in the city, in the country. So these guys, I mean, you talk about hubris. These guys uh, had full notions of themselves. They weren't going down and taking a small venue and let's build it up. The other aspect of this, and it'll be interesting to go through the finer detail of the report, these were TV people coming in doing stage uh, musicals. They are totally different from a marketing point of view, from a production point of view. And I think these guys came in and thought, you know what? It's the same gig. We can do it. It clearly isn't. They were novices. 
they, they were absolutely, they were out of their debt. I mean, you don't go and think, I can just do someone else's job with no experience and say, we'll put it on. They clearly didn't. It'll be interesting to see the final details of the contract with uh, the with the with the convention centre as well, in, or the Borgar um, centre as well, in terms of how they actually negotiated that deal. Because I know from other productions there would be payback for a centre promoting something. I don't think this was in place on this particular occasion. Added to that as well is the fact <clears throat> that um, you know ticket sales were absolutely atrocious. It just didn't take off. So from a marketing point of view, it was absolutely a flop. Mm. Uh, maybe that had to do with the novice element uh, and questions have to be asked about how people with no experience, uh, as you said, are, are given a budget of over €2 million Euro, uh, from an organisation that is part funded through public money. Well, here's the, here's the rub to this, because last spring, before all the uh, other scandals and the Tuberty scandals broke in the summer, RT were before the media committee with now departed Rory Coveney and other departed RT executives, and they were quite bullish. When we were putting questions to them about that this was a flop, they actually squared us down, looked us straight in the eyeballs and said, hang on, you guys want us to be uh, promoting culture and musicals. You've been saying that to other groups. Here we are. We're doing it. We lost a few, Bob, but we're doing it. <laughs> that goes to show you the absolute... I'm sure, I'm sure they didn't put it that way, did they? <laughs> it wasn't far off, Michael. You know I don't... Uh, it wasn't far off. We lost that a few, Bob. Main, that was the main trust uh, of it. 2.2 million the, euro is a lot it, of... Uh, even, it, even, even in Montrose, 2.2 million has to be looked on as a lot of money. Well, in Montrose, I'm not too sure because the sense of entitlement that has gone on is is clearly just mind-boggling to the ordinary people, which is why there's been such a revolt um, against, I suppose, the consent of paying TV licences by people when they say that, well, look, if, if our money is going to be squandered in this manner, why am I going to fund uh, such a nonsense operation? Of course, then... I don't want to see RT fail as an entity, as our public service broadcaster, to do excellent work across so many other spheres. What was wrong was there was a whole layer of management that thought they were beyond reproach. They clearly, they clearly were not, because they're all being cleared out. They're being, their wages are being reduced to normal, if you call it that, normal wages, and people are engaging to try and put it back on a steady course. But I think the damage that has been continued to be done now for a period of eight to nine months has been very, very, uh, you know, very bad. All right, we leave it there for the moment. Uh, it may get uh, a bit worse as the day goes on, indeed, over the coming uh, days, uh, because there's a, a secondary report uh, as well uh, that uh, could have implications uh, for people employed by the national broadcaster. But we leave it there for the moment, and thank you indeed thank for you. joining us on the programme uh, this morning. Finnefall Senator Shane Castles. Now, thanks to Peter in Dundalk, uh, who has sent a WhatsApp message to us. He says, Michael, is it true that Geoffrey Donaldson became emotional in uh, the House of Commons yesterday over the Northern Ireland situation. I didn't hear anything about it on the RTE news. Well, thanks, uh, Peter, for your message to the programme. Uh, let's uh, find out, shall we? I am a proud unionist. I am proud to be part of this United Kingdom. I am proud to have served my country in this parliament for almost 27 years. I'm proud of the service that I've given, unlike some others to my country when I put on the uniform of the Ulster Defence Regiment to protect everyone in the community from terrorism and violence. And yet today, because of the stirring up that is going on, I was threatened. Threatened. By those 
who never put on a uniform, by those who haven't served our country. And when I checked out, one of the people who threatened me on the register didn't vote at the last election. Can't even come out to vote for our future in the union, never mind do anything about it. And yet they're threatening people like me, who's working day and night to try and find solutions and to move Northern Ireland forward on a basis that the vast majority of people can support. Well, I will just say this to those who stir up and those who threaten. The provisional IRA attacked me in the past, and it didn't deflect me from the task that I have and my colleagues have to do our job and to get the best that we can for Northern Ireland. There you go. That's uh, the DUP leader, Geoffrey Donaldson, speaking in the House of Commons yesterday. Thanks, uh, Peter, for your message to the programme today. Uh, a couple of other messages now before we go to the headlines. Uh, we had a text from somebody who says, no, Leo and the rest should boycott the trip over to Genocide Joe. Going over to give him a nearfall is a wasted trip. He won't listen. Joe does as he is told. Uh, I don't think that is uh, the case. Uh, it's a disgrace what is happening and the world sitting by and watching while the Irish government does nothing. The US might not be the ones bombing Gaza, but they do supply the weapons to Israel. Thank you, Janet, for that. Uh, we'd Noel in touch with us a WhatsApp too, saying the Irish government should be ashamed of themselves. Are they waiting for 40,000 innocent people to be murdered before they do anything about the genocide that is happening in Gaza? The Irish government will follow whatever the Americans do. They are nothing but a gutless shower, says Noel. Some strong comments coming to us today. Good to get those comments too. And we'd like you to add, if you have something that you wish to say to us, 0419832000. If you'd like to ring, text or WhatsApp 086-1800-658. Email michael at lmf. Let's try that again. Michael at lmfm.ie. Michael Reed on LMFM. Let me bring you just some more of uh, the comments coming uh, to us uh, this morning. Uh, We'd a WhatsApp message uh, from somebody who says, where is the Taoiseach? Where is the Taunisha? Why are they not answering questions coming back, speaking on the issue? I feel sick uh, that uh, the Taoiseach will swan off to have lunch with Joe Biden. Shameful waste of taxpayers' money and a blatant disregard for what people of Ireland are asking for bursting out laughing with uh, the give it to RTE comment that's how to lose 2.2 million euro thank you indeed Uh, it was tongue in cheek I have to say a lot of other comments uh, coming to us as well but many of those comments to do with uh, the Irish position on the South African case against Israel as you know South Africa has taken a, a case to the International Court of Justice in which it says that <coughs> Israel could be committing genocide. Uh, let's speak uh, to local Fine Gael TD, Fergus O'Dowd, who has come into the studio with us this morning. And a very good morning to you. And thank morning, you Michael. indeed for joining us on the programme uh, this morning. You said in your spe- speech to the Dáil the other day, uh, whether it is collective punishment, whether it is ethnic cleansing, whether it is daily massacres, and 
and indiscriminate slaughter. Uh, it, it is all and each and every one of those things and we must use all of our efforts through the United Nations, through our government contacts and through any contacts that any politician may have in order to bring about some sort of ceasefire. Absolutely, Michael. I think that's it in a nutshell. And I think that reflects tens of thousands of people. Right, I don't know anybody that disagrees with that. And I think the process is that the... Uh, as I understand it, the, the international court will take some years to make a decision on this. Uh, and the efforts of the government are, I think, appropriately uh, pushing for peace, pushing for a ceasefire, the return of the hostages, maximising uh, the Irish voice in all of the international fora that we're in. And um, I think that's, I, I, I do support that. But I obviously, I absolutely and utterly condemn what Israel is doing. And I've also in the same speech condemned what Hamas did. Mm. And I think uh, they're two evils and, and both are absolutely unacceptable. OK, we have had a lot of comments today from people suggesting that the right and proper thing to do would be to uh, align yourselves with South Africa uh, yes, against yeah. Israel. Uh, but that's yeah. not actually possible at the moment. Well, what, what what the motion the government actually said was, uh, and what they're using is Ukraine took a case against Russia and we intervened on behalf of the Ukraine. And that happens after the first uh, provisional comment of the court is made. So what it actually says is, is, is that third party state interventions take place after the court has made an order on preliminary measures. And as I understand it, that order is expected tomorrow. Right. And then, and, and, then and, and just to explain that, because sure, that, course, that, yeah. that will be the court's opinion on whether there is the a case, case to be answered to or investigate. not. Exactly, yes, yes mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. if they find that there is, and I can't find, believe that they won't, then the Irish government files its case. And what, and what the teacher has said, that the South African case is valid, number one. And secondly, what the motion last night says, and uh, just using the words, uh, that the government strongly consider an intervention as a matter of urgency. So to me, that means it means mm. that they will intervene uh, after the due process. Will that be a problem for Ireland uh, in terms of relations with countries like uh, America or Germany? I don't think so. I don't think so. I understand Germany's mm. position is supporting Israel because obviously the genocide of the Second World War was carried out by the Nazi regime in in, in, in Germany. I understand why mm. they're doing that. Clearly, the American position hasn't been strong enough. And I think Biden has shifted his position as public opinion has shifted. And listening to David Cameron this morning on, on Sky News, he's very strongly of a very strong opinion, you know, get the ceasefire, the humanitarian ceasefire, uh, get the hostages released and move on from there. And the Taoiseach did tell us that uh, he is aware as a Prime yeah. Minister of, of discussions with, I think, being led by Egypt yeah. uh, to find a way out of all of this. But clearly the weakness of the United Nations is is very clear yeah. in all of this. That was the other point in my speech. Yeah. It's, 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 it's dominated by division and lack of unity and lack of respect from some countries, clearly yeah. for humanity. Human rights. Okay, but like all issues, politics uh, is a peculiar game and uh, quite often it's about getting votes. We have an election in November in the United States. Uh, Undoubtedly, Donald Trump, if he becomes the next president, uh, will give unequivocal support to Israel. Uh, And 
uh, Joe Biden has to win that campaign. Um, it, 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 it's there's a lot of uh, support for Israel, a lot of Jewish people in, in America, uh, and that may dictate American foreign policy. Uh, and if sure. that is the case, uh, do you think that it, it, there is the potential for uh, problems? in terms of Ireland's relationship with America if we align ourselves with the South African case? I, I don't think, I think uh, what you, you are quite right. There's different politics, particularly in states like New York. Uh, but the, the, the reality is that Ireland is an independent country. It, is a, it has huge access to America. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And we should always use that. Obviously, we have significant differences, but we agree on an awful lot of things as well. And I think we'll all agree, certainly in Ireland, yeah. that Biden was, would be better than Trump. Trump is a disaster. The only good thing about the vote this week in, 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 in America, in New Hampshire, was that a lot of independent voters went for Nikki Haley. So in other words, if independent voters, who are neither Democrats nor Republicans, uh, vote for mm. Biden, they won't vote for Trump. And it there's a fair chance that 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 Trump will lose. Yeah, and he's and that's a very inter- um, very very different interpretation of uh, the result of New Hampshire to <laughs> the one that Donald Trump put on it, using expletives for that matter. Of course, well, Trump yeah. is Trump, and yeah. I mean he's he, he he's a larger than life character, but he's a threat to world yeah. peace at this mm. stage. And that's the other point. I mean, in Britain yesterday, you had the chief of the army talking about. Uh, training young people to become a you know an army again, yeah. like just this is a very dangerous time in world history, and world peace is is, is with serious threats. The Middle East could explode; mm. it is exploded already, well, but it's even getting worse. Well, uh, back back to Joe Biden yeah. bombing, bombing Yemen. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, mm. what choice does he have when, when transports through through the Red Sea, mm. uh, your goods that you and I order from China, mm. whatever, being disrupted? But it's bigger than that. But, I agree. But, but he could uh, tell. It's, insta- uh, it's he, unstable. He, the world is unstable. But he does have yeah. a choice. Uh, he could say to Israel, "Stop bombing Gaza," uh, yes, and yeah. the Houthi rebels, as a result, would probably stop bombing the ships going through the Red Sea. Yeah, that that is another option. But what is also uh, is the question of Iran, which is a world power. Mm. Uh, pushing all these other agendas like it's a very complex agenda but mm. I think you're quite right you know the, the, the Israel you know they must cease their activities in Gaza the hostages should be returned to their homes uh, and, and there has to be a long term mm. peace uh, in the Middle East which is very difficult yeah. uh, I think nearly everybody in this country is wishing for that. Uh, But the reality is, uh, as long as Israel has American support, that probably won't happen. There was an atrocity that uh, occurred yesterday at a a UN camp uh, that was condemned by the Americans. Uh, As you say, there is some change of rhetoric there. But uh, uh, given the politics, uh, the upcoming uh, election, uh, it's not 
unimaginable at least to think that they'll continue to support Israel, that they won't oppose what Israel is doing at the very least. Well, it looks like that that is is the way, but America isn't the world, but Mm. it's a very powerful influence. But when America and Russia are at loggerheads and China is lurking in the background, Mm. when Iran is stoking up hatred in in the Middle East, when you have all these other things going on, that's why we need stability. That's Mm. why we need, I believe, Biden, notwithstanding the weaknesses in his policy, is better than Trump. Peace is better than war. You know, stability is better than instability. And I mean, you know, it's got, it's got look, if you were a young person now, 18 or 19 years of age, you could very well be in, in a war mm. in, in the next four or five years. Mm. That's the reality. Yeah. And and that's where we have to stop. In, in the Irish yeah. Army and in the, every, in the whoever. Army. Uh, well, that, that, there are other are you, questions. Are, are, yeah. are you concerned about where Micheál Martin is going with uh, the triple lock? We're going to be talking with uh, the Irish anti-war yeah. movement in a, a few minutes time about that because he he told the doll uh, on Tuesday that he's asked his officials uh, to draft legislation to drop the triple lock uh, sure. uh, as soon as possible. Yeah, the issue the issue really is about the United Nations. If it requires a mandate from yeah. the United mm-hmm. Nations to send peacekeepers, say into Israel mm-hmm. and Palestine or into the Ukraine, uh, it requires the consent of the Security Council and the United Nations. At the moment, Russia is blocking all of that because Russia holds the chair mm. and has a veto. So, so that's the problem. The problem is if, 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 if a country like Russia can prevent peace in the Ukraine, you know, that's where the triple lock argument comes in. Mm. So I think we'd have to be very careful about removing it. We'd have to have a proper debate. But I don't think I Russia... Think the debate should... is over. That's the problem that Michal oh, yeah. Martin no, no, I agree. Michal Martin said, <laughs> we've had the debate. Well, we haven't had the debate. <laughs> we no. had these consultative forums. Yeah. Uh, it was a very good debate. Uh, it wasn't yeah. at all uh, partial. Uh, yeah. th- th- this is uh, paraphrasing what he t- said to the Dalai. But that, right? that's his um, point um, of view, um, yeah. But his point of view is more yeah. than his point of view. Because oh, no, he's the minister, of yeah, course. Yeah. And, and he, yeah. he's going ahead. He's having yeah. legislation drafted as we but speak. Drafting, but drafting legislation is one thing. Without, de- it. without delay, he said. Yeah, but it, whatever he's doing, he, he has the power to do as a minister, obviously, yeah, yeah. and as a government. Mm. But that doesn't mean we can't debate it mm. or we can't change it or we can't listen to views on your programme and mm. others mm-hmm. as to what we should be doing. Okay. But the question is, if you could get a peacekeepers mm. into the Ukraine, if you could get peacekeepers into the Middle East, wouldn't that be a good thing? Mm. And if that meant that you had to ignore uh, the power of Russia to stop those things happening. Mm. I, I, I would favour us going in there. Okay, okay. I think that, but only in a peacekeeping role. Yeah, but but yeah. Uh, not to, uh, well... Uh, not in a, well, see, I mean... Well, uh, can, I, can, can you do both? Sorry, just before... Well, we that, that's a good question, yeah, Michael, yeah, but yeah, yeah. C- certainly... Uh, I, obviously then the qualified majority in the United Nations <laughs> come in okay, but yeah, we yeah. all know what we're talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. you know peace is better than war mm. and if we if we had peacekeepers in those countries and we do mm. have Irish peacekeepers actually mm. in, in you know in the Lebanon there as you know there's four or five hundred soldiers there and they, they could very well be, be wiped out if, if, if there was a full scale war there yeah. with Hezbollah so there's an awful lot Indeed. of God forbid. going on there Michael yeah. okay look uh, interesting comments uh, I think uh, on the triple lock, especially coming from a Fine Gael TD. Uh, it's uh, unfortunately a very interesting conversation and I say unfortunately because people are being, being blown to smithereens as we speak. 
Uh, let's uh, talk about some more uh, domestic issues, uh, bread and butter issues, I suppose, uh, if you like, and the cost of getting on a train. Uh, currently from Drogheda, it's 11.95. In Balbregan, it's 3.90. In Scaries, it's €3. But we heard from the National Transport Authority yesterday. This is yeah. going to change. It is changing. It'll change in the third quarter of this year. And it'll mean that it, we live in what's going to be called Zone 3. In other words, we're part of the Dublin commuter zone. And Leighton and Drogheda are in that zone. And it'll mean that the single fare will be now, instead of 11.95, will be €6, Euros, um, which is fantastic. Mm. And also, uh, when you get to Dublin, uh, you have to make this choice before you go. You can travel everywhere on a return ticket to anywhere in Dublin over 24 hours for €14. Euros. And that's going to be absolutely fantastic. My God, that's a game changer, isn't it? It's a huge game changer, mm. along with the dart mm. that's coming to Drogheda. So you'll have trains to Dublin mm. every at and peak And vice times. versa as well. Oh, you will, yeah, of course. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah you'll yeah. have huge... Mm-hmm. Each train will have the capacity to carry over 1,000 mm. passengers. So it'll increase transports between Dublin and Drogheda. It'll, it, obviously, there's thousands of commuters locally uh, will, will benefit from that because they'll have greater choice. And also, it'll bring more people to work in Drogheda, hopefully. Well, hopefully so. so a lot, yeah. lot of good things there. Well, it'll be far more affordable to travel. Uh, yes, and, yeah. and there's a change as well for listeners in County Mead in terms of leap cards, I think, is it? There is. I'm not quite clear on all of it. What, what I'm waiting for is for them to publish the full uh, the full list of charges. But the issue in County Mead is that, is that as I understand that some stations don't have the capacity to issue uh, the e-leap the, the e-leap mm. car, e-leap Elite purse, <laughs> so you'll go up and you'll R- buy you buy, you'll, you'll buy your purse yeah. and tickets, yeah. and you use them as you wish. Right, uh, but the, your railway station has to have capacity to, to provide you with that, uh. and that's why the, the the delay will be. Right, and the further point mm. is in the rest to the rest of the country, including places obviously like Dundalk, they will be rolling out distance fares in order you pay to the distance you travel mm. rather than the fares which are unfair right now. So will it be cheaper for? Listeners in Dundalk? Well, I hope so. Okay. I wouldn't imagine it'd be dearer. Yeah, because there yeah. are places uh, that. Uh, there will the be dearer. Oh, yes, there are. And there will be significant increases. Oh, in yeah, I think there's some of them in County Kildare. Yeah. Oh, sorry, County Wicklow. I think there's significant increases there. Uh, but there will be winners and losers. But mm. Drogheda is the winner. Yeah. Transport Drogheda is the winner. And I know the thousands of commuters we have have better choice, cheaper transport, more. You know, it's it's mm. greater for families, better quality of life. So I think it's really good, Michael. Well, that is good news and good to have good news. And thank you indeed uh, for talking about it with us and indeed for joining us here. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having Uh, me. That is uh, Fine Gael TD for Louth and East Meath. Fergus O'Dowd. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now let's hear some concerns about crime and policing. We're going to hear from local Sinn Féin TD, Johnny Gurk, who raised this issue. I want to raise with you the lack of Gardaí in rural areas right across my constituency of Midwest. In Midwest, we have 10 Garda stations, uh, Navan, Trim, Matby, Enfield, Beliver, Longwood, Old Castle, Summerhill, Castle Pollard and Delvin. Of those 10 Garda stations, Taoiseach, there's only two of them man full-time. In 2013, your Fine Gael government closed 95 Garda stations in rural Ireland, and what's left uh, moved on... Uh, 
manned on a part-time basis. Anti-social behaviour, robberies and open street dealing going on every day. The people, the people that I represent figure that the guards have given up on uh, small-time uh, drug dealing because they haven't the resources to put into it. Uh, it. It is disheartening to hear from Gardaí based in rural stations that new recruits are being disproportionately assigned to larger towns, leaving rural Ireland neglected and forgotten about. What, 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 what is this government going to do about that, Taoiseach? Sinn Féin's Johnny Gurk putting that question to the Taoiseach, Leo Bradgroup. Unfortunately, we have a shortage of Gardaí um, all over the country, which I think deputies will be aware of. I was in uh, Blanchetown Garda Station in my own constituency this week, um, and that district, uh, the very big DMR West district, has about 60 or 70 fewer Gardaí than it had when Garda numbers peaked back in 2020. Um, those numbers fell off. Templemore was closed during the pandemic. We would have a thousand more guards today if that had not been the case. Uh, we're now recruiting again, uh, and we're going to see guard numbers increase, um, uh, and that's uh, that's that's encouraging. And also, guard staff being brought in uh, to free up guardy to do more frontline duties, and new technology being brought in as well to make um, guard time more efficient. There you go. That's uh, the Taoiseach speaking in the Dáil yesterday, responding to Sinn Féin TD, Johnny Gurk. Now to some more of uh, the comments. Frank in Drogheda. Thank you indeed for your WhatsApp message. He says, hi, Michael. I'm extremely annoyed with Thomas Byrne in relation to not speaking out against our Irish big, big connections to the American President Joe Biden who is supporting Israel bombing children. For God's sake, Thomas Byrne, uh, Sarah Al-Khalidi and her four children clung to each other on the floor of their living room in Gaza City's Tal Al-Hawa neighbourhood, trembling with fear. Thomas and our government should stop speaking out of uh, the two sides of uh, their mouths. These crimes are the same as what Hitler did in uh, the Second World War, Frank says. More than 10,000 children have been killed by Israeli airstrikes and ground operations in Gaza in nearly 100 days of violence. These are war crimes, Thomas. You're supporting the American president and the American government for the wrong reasons, Thomas Byrne. Children always should come first, no matter what, says Frank. Thank you indeed, Frank, for your message. Another text uh, from Dara, who says LMFM is shining a very bright spotlight onto the apparent total lack of governance on Louth County Council. The noise of silence from Louth County Council management and our councillors is absolutely deafening. In my mind, the message from the chief executive is I'll do what I want, when I want, and the councillors will do what I want, when I want to. The next obvious question is what other decisions have been made by the Chief Executive Joan Martin without regard for governance and when she knows the councillors won't do their jobs and challenge her. And the question after that is why are the councillors not challenging her and why are they beholden to her? Does the Chief Executive have influence or information over the councillors that they don't want in the public spotlight? It's all very, very strange, says Dara. Thank you indeed, Dara, for your message. Uh, I'll give you a brief update on that particular story. Uh, Some documents have been released to LMFM through the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, We've had a a lot of talk about how many documents 
documents there are. But now we have some uh, in front of us uh, that we have had sight of. We're going through those documents and we will be bringing you more information about this particular story in the coming days. Your question about the the, the councillors and the uh, positions that the councillors are taking or how they're responding to all of this or if they're asking questions of the chief executive, I think is a very interesting question. Uh, The reason I... I uh, think it's a, a very interesting question is exactly for the reason you've said, Dara, that the silence is deafening. So as a result of that, uh, we've brought this to the attention of the local TDs and we will be hearing, I think, from some of those TDs in the coming days as well. And I think the phrase is watch that space. Now to a very curious and surprising question that was made in the Dáil yesterday. Why do we not at least entertain those statements from women now when they say that the idea of 30, 40, 50, whatever, single asylum seekers arriving in their town or village, living three or four to a room, no family connections, nothing to do most of the time. Why do we not take on those concerns as genuine. Now, let me be crystal clear. There is no evidence, zero evidence, none, 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 that they pose any greater threat than 80 Irishmen. But many women have said to me, and I believe them, that they would say the same thing about 80 Irishmen in the same circumstances. Taoiseach, I'm not saying... All right, um, we cut it there. Apologies uh, for the poor edit. Uh, that's Marion Harkin, independent uh, TD, uh, who was putting those questions to the Taoiseach yesterday. I found it very surprising that it was Marion Harkin. Uh, who posed those questions. Let's hear what the Taoiseach had to say. I, 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 I have to say, I have to be honest with you, I, I, I am quite disappointed uh, in the question you asked. Uh, and I can see the faces of many people around this house um, who I think agree with me. Um, I think the killing and the death of Ashing Murphy was one of those events that really touched the nation. I remember it so well. And I remember the outpouring of grief for that young woman uh, who was killed uh, in the way she was. Uh, And I remember the anniversary uh, only a few weeks ago. Um, And I really think to connect that to a debate about international protection and migration is really wrong. Really wrong. Um, uh, The evil person who killed poor Ashling Murphy uh, was an EU citizen, had been in the country for the best part of 10 years, working and paying taxes. That's how he acquired his rights to social welfare and other things. Uh, And sadly, he turned on that girl for whatever reason he did and killed her. But to connect that to international protection and refugees coming to this country, whether they're genuine or not, it's really wrong, Deputy. Like, really, Deputy, don't bring our country down into that spiral. Please the, don't. The Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, responding to the so-called concerns about single men. Sadly, people from all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of genders and all sorts of races and religions and colours commit crimes but to conflate crime and violence against women in particular uh, with migration, I think is profoundly wrong and profoundly dangerous. Yes, you did, Deputy. Yes, 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 you, yes, you, yes, you did, Deputy. Yes, you did, Deputy. And in relation to... Just Deputy, please. Let the Taoiseach... Let the Taoiseach respond. Deputy, let the Taoiseach respond. Deputy, in relation to your remarks about me, 
I, I have engaged in this debate. I probably engage in it every other day uh, in my constituency, in this House and in this media. Uh, only a few weeks ago, uh, I wrote a detailed article uh, published in the Sunday Independent setting out what our immigration policy is and was, what the facts were and what they were not. And I'll keep doing that. But I need a bit of help. I need a bit of help from people in this house who... who, 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 who oh, you're not. Uh, sorry, sorry, Ken. Sorry. OK, thank okay. you. That's uh, the Taoiseach, Leo Radker, responding to Independent TD, Marion Harkin. Michael Reed on LMFM. The Irish government is uh, to spend 300 million euro on a boat. Now, this is no ordinary boat. It is said to be the largest ship in the history of the Naval Service and by far. It'll become the flagship vessel for the Irish Navy, replacing Ali Ethna. And it will be equipped with a helicopter landing pad, hospital facilities and the ability to transport vehicles and troops. Sounds like a weapon of war. So why is Ireland, a neutral country, spending €300 million on such a machine? And I'd like to ask the the time frame that he intends to bring forward his um, regrettable proposals to remove the triple lock neutrality protection when he expects the legislation to be enacted and whether on this occasion he will outline the missions that he envisages that the Defence Forces will participate in from which they are currently precluded. That question from Sinn Féin's Matt Carthy. The Deputy will be aware that last year's Consultative Forum on International Security Policy featured a well-informed discussion on the issue of UN peacekeeping and the triple lock contributed and the Triple Lock, contributed by a wide range of, and varied perspective of views on the matter. It was a very good discussion, not partisan in any way, and an informed one, and it was subsequently reflected in the Chair's report to debate. And this debate provided ample evidence of ways in which to continue Ireland's long-standing record on peacekeeping while ensuring adherence to the highest standards of international law. Clearly, we need a new process to replace the current system which effectively allows Security Council members of the United Nations to bind Ireland's hands in its international engagement. The Minister for Defence and Foreign Affairs, Thonishta Michal Martin, says the debate is over and it is now time to act. While not being prescriptive of what changes will be made, I have instructed officials in my department to prepare legislative proposals without delay that would govern the future overseas deployments of our defence forces. Mark Price is co-chair of the steering committee with the Irish anti-war movement and founding member of the Irish Neutrality League and on the line. Good morning, Mark. Thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. What do you make of the Thonish's comments? Um, he's, he's on a fast track um, on many fronts, Michal Martin, to entangle Ireland in increasing European military cooperation. Um, this goes back, European military cooperation goes back to 2002, to the founding of the European Defence Agency. Um, this was quite definitely uh, a product of the European arms industry, who claimed credit for this afterwards. Uh, I can give your listeners reference if they want. Um, Michal Martin, his claims about the UN Security Council uh, are opportune. They're designed to create a feeling of alarm uh, about current situations but his intention, as, as, as revealed in June of 2022, when he said that Ireland wouldn't need a referendum to join NATO, 
um, there was a public outcry. So he backtracked and had these consultative forums that he referred to in the answer to Matt Carthy, um, which he said were uh, had received uh, contributions from a wide range of people. In fact, the vast majority of uh, contributors to those forums were defence industry and security industry analysts and experts. Uh, and that the report by the chair, Dame Louise Richardson, um, excuse me, was um, not at all impartial. She didn't give any history of the positive role of Irish neutrality. She discredited Irish neutrality as mere realpolitik on the part of de Valera, uh, you know, in the past. Um, and she cast, she created this specter of Chinese and Russian manipulation of the Security Council on the on the basis that there hasn't been a new peacekeeping mission since 2014. There is no evidence that the Chinese and the Russians have been inhibiting the formation of peacekeeping missions. In fact, they've been perfectly happy to roll over existing missions like the Bosnian one. Um, this is, uh, the Ukraine, of course, is the major bogeyman here. And this is where Ireland has been uh, increasing its involvement over the last two years. Mm. In the Ramstein Group, I don't know if your, your listeners know what these things are, in uh, the Ukraine Military Training Project, uh, and in PESCO. We, we're now involved in a third of all PESCO uh, military you know, operations in one, at one level or another. Mm. Okay, but hold on a, a second. Is it not true to say that we are not constitutionally a neutral country and that that is a policy that has been adopted by Irish governments since de Valera's time? And uh, on top of that, the Tarnisher will argue that dr- ending the triple lock will not end Irish neutrality. Yes, um, you know they they make this thing, Michael, where they talk about military neutrality. They narrowly define what it means. Um, And strictly speaking, ending the triple lock, it can't end something that never, as you pointed out, never existed. I mean, the only legal version of neutrality is the Hague Convention. We weren't, uh, when that was signed, we were not an independent uh, nation. Um, We, the argument for neutrality and the biggest argument, by the way, is that the vast majority of people, in, again, again and again in polls, people vote for this neutrality thing, um, which has been sold out. Uh, obviously, in the Second World War, it was, it was compromises, but particularly since 2002 with Shannon Airport, uh, there's been a major compromise to, to our neutrality. But the thing... Uh, to remember is the positive aspects. I'm getting feedback now, Michael, so it's a bit distracting. Excuse me. Uh, uh, No, it's okay now. It's gone. Uh, The the thing to remember is that uh, uh, our neutrality in people's eyes is something which is a positive force, which could be a positive force as it was in the 1950s and 60s when Frank Aiken was promoting nuclear non-proliferation and could do so because Ireland had this role as this tiny country which was not taking sides in the Cold War. And we should, we should not be taking sides between uh, Britain, America, yeah. and France on one side and, and Russia and China on the other. But we should, be, we should still adhere to this international order and not uh, get dragged into what is quite clearly in Europe an attempt to increase military production mm. and to use various threats, whether it's immigrants coming across or, uh, you know, the Russian invasion or whatever, yeah. 
to justify this. Okay. What what are you worried about, though? Because, I mean, the Thonishto was right in saying that there is nothing prohibiting any Irish government from joining NATO. Uh, it, it's different in terms of a, a European alliance uh, because uh, we voted on that and amended the Constitution in line with the Nice and Lisbon treaties in order for the government of that time to get them over the line. So, so that's off the cards. Uh, but we, we we haven't joined NATO. Uh, so what makes you think that if we end the triple lock that we're suddenly going to be going out to war with somebody? Yeah, it's not so much because NATO, we are a member, I think, of the, uh, I love the name, Partnership for Peace, the NATO Partnership for Peace. Um, it's not so much that we're going to become fully fledged members of NATO, um, but we are definitely becoming embroiled progressively, stealthily, in European defence projects, in the Ramstein Group, in the, in the Ukrainian military training project in PESCO, um, and that Michal Martin seems to have a particular interest in this, like he's really pushing mm. this. Um, and there can be no doubt when you look at the fine print, the trouble, Michael, is you have to look at the fine print. Like I, because occasionally you have me on or whatever, mm. I have to go read up this stuff. And it's kind of tedious stuff because it's buried. Uh, in detail, but it it really is. Uh, it has to be seen as a general increase in European militarization. The founder, by the way, of which really in modern times was Ursula von der Leyen, um, uh, who was promoting this big time in the early part of the twenty uh, the twenty hundreds, well, the noughties, whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the uh, the yeah. point of the whole of this is that. Uh, Europe, European leaders like her and the Germans want Europe to become a player in, as, on the military field as on all other fields. And that's no secret. That's no secret. Absolutely. And Michal Martin, when he says he, the, 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 the triple lock restrains Irish in, uh, capacity to act independently, but this has been true uh, so far as we've been subject to the European, the UN Security Council. This has been true since we joined the UN. Uh, why the big change now? And uh, there is no difference now. Okay, but what about your objections, or what about the objections of anybody listening to us uh, this morning? Because this is the minister. This is the minister who has instructed his his officials to draft legislation without delay. Uh, There is no stopping this now. Yeah, the only stopping of it is, uh, like, the kind of stopping of it, I was out last night with lots of more people, you know, on the streets, trying to get getting people to sign a petition, uh, trying to get the government to... To, to step up and do more uh, over the genocide in Gaza. The only stop of you know, saying to people, obviously, people, people are there going, well, what can we do? And, you know, sign a petition. And the only stopping of it is people, you know, people coming out, finding ways to mobilize, finding ways to make, uh, make your political, your feelings known. People, don't, this is what's showing up, I believe, in the world today, really, apart from the division between the, 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 the West and the, you know, the BRICS nations. That's one line of division. But another big line of division has to be that between so-called leaders and the vast majority of people who do not want uh, war, who do not want these military solutions, who want negotiation, who want to cease fire in Gaza. Now, can I introduce this? Tomorrow, we're going to be getting the results from the in the world court uh, on the South African genocide yes. case. Mm. And uh, this is going to be a big test for us uh, on the UN Security Council, who will be the body, the only body, which can enforce any ruling that comes from the world court um, to order a ceasefire. And 
Uh, we know, you and I know, that America will veto if the Security Council does uh, do what it's supposed to do under law, the, that America will veto this. We know that. Um, and this is the test, really, about the Security Council. It doesn't mean that we get rid of the Security Council and we stop respecting the international system. It's just that we have to campaign, we have to work to get people to abide by international law and not just to be taking sides. I mean, the American position in relation to Gaza is, has been revealed now globally, really, and particularly at home, where Biden can lose his election because of this, because the vast majority, particularly of younger people, can see this, the hypocrisy and the, uh, the, the barefaced illegality of this. It's like, we're, it's like the world is a household where the adults are crazy and everyone else is going around going, you know, oh, how do we stop them? Um, well, the only way we can stop them is the UN Charter. And we have to keep with it and not, as Michal Martin wants to do, uh, wash his hands of it and hunker down with Ur- Ursula van der Leyen. Well, she's no longer involved directly, but uh, with these European uh, defence contractors, uh, Airbus and company, BAE and so on, um, in order to uh, take part in militarism. This isn't the solution. Okay. No more than uh, Israel can get rid of their problem by bombing, uh, even if they did succeed in removing Hamas. Um, military war isn't the solution. Negotiation is the solution. People know this. Everyone knows this, except mm. it seems people like Michal Martin. Okay, Mark, I have to leave it there for the moment. Thank you indeed for joining us on the programme today. Mark Price is the co-chair of the steering committee with the Irish anti-war movement and also the founding member of the Irish Neutrality League. Michael Reed on LMFM. LMFM. The day is but young, and before we go to bed tonight, we're all going to be talking about drugs. I think it goes without saying that the uh, greatest drug of use and misuse in this state is alcohol, um, and it's legal. Uh, It's associated with uh, public order offences, child abuse, um, violence against women. Um, It is uh, associated with acute disease, chronic disease, makes mental health worse associated with suicide, public order offences, major road traffic accidents, uh, and yet we would never consider criminalising alcohol in Ireland because we know it wouldn't work. Uh, People wouldn't obey the law um, and alcohol would be driven into the hands of a criminal industry uh, and people would be killed by impure alcohol, as was the case during prohibition periods in Ireland. Uh, And I think that's uh, something we all need to be honest about. and in my view, uh, drug use and misuse by, by individ- individuals uh, should be seen uh, primarily as a public health issue uh, and not a criminal justice matter. Um, but that is very different from drug dealing, for example, um, and, uh, and the production uh, of, of illegal medicines and, and drugs. Uh, and I certainly think that shaming people and blaming people and criminalising people uh, isn't an effective policy and has largely been rejected by the public, particularly younger people. Um, and if it was the case that that approach and the war on drugs and just say no was a successful policy. It would have been successful 40 years ago and it hasn't worked. Uh, And I think uh, we all need to uh, admit that. And certainly that's what the Citizens Assembly um, admitted uh, in its report. And the reason that we will all be talking about drugs today and in the coming days is because the Citizens Assembly on drugs is about to submit its report to the government. I used to be a sceptic of citizens' assemblies, um, and over the past five or ten years I've become a fan of them. Uh, I think they uh, 
can be really effective. We don't always accept the recommendations, nor do we have to, um, but we always consider them. And I think when you put in front of 100 citizens all of the evidence, all of the experts and all of the advice, sometimes they come up with very good recommendations. And like I say, we don't always accept them. Um, we often do. Uh, but we're the legislature. Um, we're the ones who actually make the decisions in the end, and that should never change. Uh, and we'll have to give careful consideration to any kind of legal change. Um, and that's our job. Uh, and we, that's going to take a bit of work and, and a bit of advice. Certainly what the Guardi say to me, and I've asked the Guardi about this on a number of occasions, they would say to me that they would rarely uh, prosecute um, people for possession. Um, and where they do prosecute people for possession, it's because they suspect they've been doing more than possession, uh, that they have been uh, dealing or promoting or selling, but that's the charge they can get them on. So there's just complexities like that that we need to, need to kind of figure out. That's uh, the Taoiseach, Leo Bradker, speaking in the Dáil yesterday. Uh, he's to meet with Paul Reid, the chair of uh, the Citizens' Assembly at midday. And I think the expectation is that that report and the recommendations in it will be published today. And I am sure we'll have plenty of a discussion, not just today, but indeed on tomorrow morning's programme and over the coming days and weeks. Now to some more of uh, the comments coming to us uh, today. Uh, someone in touch by text saying, good morning, Michael. There's an alleyway in Rathmullen Park that is separated by a concrete boulder where rubbish is constantly being dumped. The council know about this, but seem to be ignoring it. Uh, This needs to be addressed by the council because this is going on too long now. It's an insult to residents who have to pay for their rubbish to be disposed of. God, I'm terribly sorry to hear that that's uh, not being uh, addressed, if that's uh, the case. Uh, we'll uh, bring it to the attention of Louth County Council um, uh, and uh, hope that uh, something uh, will happen and that that rubbish will be uh, dealt with. Uh, and uh, I'm sure that, uh, well, I presume that your local councillors have brought it to the attention of uh, the council. It's hard to believe. How long is that going on for? Maybe you'd get back to us or if there's anybody else in uh, Rath Mellon Park uh, who's listening uh, who can shed some light uh, on how long this is going on for uh, I just can't believe uh, that the council would ignore something like that I mean that's uh, <laughs> rudimentary in terms of what councils do uh, somebody else uh, in touch with us saying Irish peacekeepers are renowned all over the world uh, that comes to us uh, from Mary thanks uh, Mary for your text to, to the programme another text from somebody who says what's wrong with people do they not re- realise that only for the Americans there would be no peace in the world uh, and also there is reason for our elected politicians to stop going to the United States I take it that should say no reason when Israel gets rid of Hamas and gets the Palestinians under control then those people complaining can talk Okay, Uh, Paddy Duffy in touch uh, saying Jeffrey Donaldson should be aware of the quote if you lie down with dogs you get up with fleas. Uh, well, thanks uh, for that, Paddy. <laughs> we'll, we'll pass it on to Sir Geoffrey, if you like. Uh, Noel in Castleblaney uh, wants to say thanks to all of the workers who worked tirelessly to clear the roads and bring back power. Uh, God bless them all. They're a credit. Uh, and thanks to all of them. Thank you indeed uh, for that. Uh, somebody else in touch about Geoffrey uh, Donaldson uh, because it was Peter who texted us asking uh, why it wasn't on RTA. Tell Peter that it was covered on RTA radio yesterday. Margaret in touch uh, saying if all the EU countries don't vote for a humanitarian a bigger pardon a humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza 
then they will be like the US and the UK. They will be giving Netanyahu and the IDF their continued support to murder innocent Palestinians, which is the majority of people who have already been killed in Gaza. Are the Germans afraid because of what Hitler did during World War II? Can they not say Netanyahu is doing the same thing to the Palestinians in a different way? What Israel is doing is genocide, whether they want to hear that word or not. That's what it is. The word genocide means murder and the Israelis are murdering innocent people in Gaza. As for the EU, if they don't back a ceasefire, then it's not a block and I would like or want, I wouldn't like them uh, to speak for me. Thank you indeed, Margaret, uh, for your message. Has to be the final word. Maggie McGuire Research. Chris Murray was in the control tower. I'm Michael and God willing we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.